Welcome to Spine and Body Podcast. This podcast's stated goals are to change how the world treats musculoskeletal pain, to create experts in the treatment of neck, back, and shoulder pain, and to advance the world's understanding of this pain, to inspire researchers, thinkers, and innovators, to empower patients and embolden caretakers. Follow us on this journey and let's learn and grow together. This podcast is brought to you by the Body Guitar Clinic because your body is a finely tuned instrument. Like all finely tuned instruments, it must be properly cared for in order to play the beautiful music it was intended to play. Care for your body and use it correctly, and it will play music that is unique to you, your life song. This is Sean Wheeler, MD, and let's get your body in tune. This might be the the most important podcast we've ever done. And really today, it's for a little bit for practitioners, but it's more for patients. The title, as you guys have probably already seen, is called The Theology of Suffering. And what I want this to be is I want this to be a resource for patients. Having chronic pain is difficult. It changes your whole life. It changes everything. And having a understanding of suffering that's a little different outside of the the YouTube, uh, excuse me, the Facebook, the Instagram posts that go on in this world is is difficult because all we see is the physical and. And this is supposed to be more of a, a spiritual exercise in suffering and kind of the understanding of our suffering. And it's not for everybody. At least that's what people think. It should be for everybody. Um, and, and for the practitioners who are taking care of people, this is, this is for the people who don't really want us to have a spiritual conversation with their patients, but want them to understand the spirituality of, of what's going on, even if the practitioner isn't, isn't spiritual. And what happens is, is that what I'm hoping is that, is that a conversation like this and a person who has chronic pain or, or pain that is affected their life significantly is able to shift and realize that what they're going through is not the end, is not the end of their life as they know it, but more of a, of a different of a different path and perhaps and and we we kind of had this discussion before we started the podcast perhaps their suffering even even could be one of the greatest things that they accomplish in their life okay so that's a powerful statement that's a that's a that's a difficult concept to wrap your brain around uh and and to kind of kind of follow through with that statement and understand that statement i've invited a Theologian Mike uh, Scherslick. I didn't say that right, did I, Mike? Close enough. Mike Scherslick. Scherslick. That's it. Mike Scherslick, right? With School of Faith, and I'll have him describe, you know, what he does at the end. But we're going to jump right back, right into the theology of suffering. Mike, how are you? It is fantastic to be with you. I have so appreciated the longtime friendship. But this is probably the most important topic because no human can avoid suffering. We all have to experience it. And especially when it comes to chronic suffering, because by definition, it means it's not going away. So the question is, what do you do? Viktor Frankl went through the concentration camps. 
And there he realized that those who not only survived, but even to a certain degree thrived in the midst of the most horrendous human suffering were those who could find meaning and purpose in suffering. You can endure anything and you can actually thrive. This is what we want for your patients. We want them to be able to thrive mm-hmm. in the midst of suffering. The only way that they can, according to Viktor Frankl, is if they can find meaning and purpose in suffering. But that's precisely what Jesus did. Jesus gave meaning and purpose to human suffering. Jesus, who is God, entered into human suffering, and he transformed it from the inside out, giving it a power. Mm -hmm. There's a power in the cross of Jesus Mm -hmm. that we share. And this is what we want to unlock for people, this power, so that they can have meaning and purpose in their suffering and they can thrive. And not only thrive in their suffering, their suffering can actually become the most powerful thing for the good of themselves and others, a twofold good for themselves and others. That's what we want to discuss and open up for them briefly here in this podcast. Jesus in the eighth beatitude said, happy are those who suffer. That seems ridiculous. Mm -hmm. How could suffering make us happy? Well, there are two reasons, two ways that suffering can make us happy. The first is that suffering can empty us of all that blocks us from being filled by God. What blocks us? Our pride, our ego, our self-reliance, our disordered loves. Suffering can empty us of those things. How often I've experienced, you've experienced, we've seen other people experience, we put all our emphasis in the wrong areas of life and we get disordered and then we experience some suffering. Maybe an athlete who puts their whole identity into a sport and then they get a a season ending or career ending injury. That's the best thing that ever happened to them. They can learn that life is more than that. So suffering can be good for us because it can empty us of where we place our false identity. Right. And that's where people will see, they'll look at, they'll look at Facebook and they'll see these people with what appears to be perfect lives. And then they say to themselves, wow, look at all they've accomplished. And I've accomplished nothing since my, this pain has occurred. And, and, and if they focus on only that, and th- that becomes that disordered uh, attraction or that disordered, you know, wants, right? And these are the things that block us from fuller life, reaching our, our, our full potential. Suffering can empty us of these things, making room for what God really made us for. And they can, suffering can actually increase our faith, our hope, and our love, which is our capacity to receive God. What takes more faith, hope, and love? Having a good night's sleep, or having to get up in the middle of the night with a child who has the, the flu and take care of them. And if, you know, if you clean up, uh, puke, you're going to get the flu. Right, right, right. <laughs> so what takes more faith, hope, and love? What, well, what takes more faith, hope, and love? You and your spouse going on vacation 
or you knowing that you're going to take care of your disabled spouse for the rest of their life, or you being the disabled spouse that the other spouse is taking care of, what, what takes more? Absolutely. Suffering requires more faith, more hope, more love, which increases your capacity to receive more of God, which you'll have for all eternity. But the the second reason that suffering is good for us, can help make us happy, is the one that I want to focus on. One that very few people know about. That our suffering can actually be good for others. How is that? How is that? Jesus is inviting us to help him save souls. Jesus is inviting us into a rescue mission to help him save souls. Now, this touches on this old Catholic phrase, offer it up. Mm -hmm. What does this mean to offer it up? St. Paul in Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 writes, It makes me happy to suffer for you as I am suffering now, and in my own body to do what I can to make up all that is still to be undergone by Christ for the sake of his body, the church. Wait a minute. What's Paul talking about? If the suffering of Christ is sufficient to save the world, why would Paul say he wants to make up all that is still, all that still has to be undergone by Christ? How is this? Because of a very important truth. God invites us to participate in all that he does. God invites his children to participate in all that he does. This idea of participation is where we get the phrase, offer it up. And it's why Jesus says that we cannot be his disciples unless we take up our own cross and follow him every day. This idea of participation is essential to understand suffering. Now, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, Peter tells us that God wants us to be a partaker of the divine nature, that we're called to share in the very nature of God. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 says this is so true that we become the children of God and we become like God. This idea of participation that God has enabled us to share in his being, number one, as his children, and then in his action in a way that doesn't add to, subtract from, or compete with his being or action. Now, in the material realm, we don't understand this. So imagine if, Sean, you and I went out for pizza after this, and if we split a pizza, uh, the more you take, the less I'll be able to have. So there's a competition. But sharing or participating in the spiritual realm is not like this. If I go to a lecture about something, I have no knowledge of what the professor will share. But he shares his knowledge with me. And when he shares his knowledge with me, I'm not taking away from his knowledge. I'm not competing with his knowledge. I'm sharing in it. I participate in the knowledge he shares with me. What's true of this example of teaching and learning 
is true of all of the ways that God wants us to participate in his being and his action. When God shares his life with us through faith and baptism, we don't take anything away from God. And once we share in his life as his children, we then get to share in his action. And his most important action is saving souls through the cross, through suffering. People talk about, you know, Jesus came, right? He did some amazing, amazing things, amazing miracles, you know, taught us how to live. But what's the most important thing he did? Suffered on the cross. Suffered on the cross for us. And, and people say, well, I want to I live like Jesus did. You do? Really? Okay. Well, what if he gives you suffering? What if he puts suffering in your life that you can't get rid of? Are you going to live like he did? Because he offered it up for us. Yeah, and this is what, one of the things people struggle with. How could God allow bad things to happen to good people? Now, there's a difference between evil and suffering. Evil is when you lack some good that you should have. An aspect of health, for example, doesn't mean that we have to suffer. Suffering is our emotional response to an evil. We could actually have the emotional response of love and hope and even joy in the midst of suffering, in the midst of a physical evil. How could that be? If we knew it had a purpose. Now, uh, if I had to run a marathon, that would, I, that would be suffering. <laughs> but if you said to me, you can save one of your children from hell or even from some tragic earthly thing, would I get up right now and go run 26.2 miles and suffer desperately in a heartbeat? Right. Without any, without any preparation, without preparing for months, you'd just go and run 26.2 miles. I would. You'd run 100 miles if it took I, it. I would do whatever it took. And while I was doing it, I would have joy mm-hmm. because I, I would know what I could be accomplishing for my loved ones. This is what Mary, the mother of Jesus, experienced. Who stood by the cross of Jesus? Mary. Mm-hmm. Now, let's think about her for a second. Mary was the first Christian to share in the suffering of Christ. At the presentation, when Jesus was a little baby, eight days old, and they had to take him for the presentation, the prophet Simeon came forward and he told her, prophesied, that her heart would be pierced because of her son. Yet nowhere in scripture do we read that she was actually physically pierced. Who was pierced in the heart? Jesus was. But did it hurt him? Did it cause him to suffer when the soldier's lance pierced his heart? No. He actually didn't feel it. He was already dead. He couldn't hurt anymore. He had already cried out, It is finished. His work of saving the world through suffering was over. But someone else felt that wound. Mary's heart was pierced. Mary suffered from Jesus' injuries even when he didn't. She made up what was lacking in the suffering of Christ 
before they even took him off the cross. Now, like Mary, all Christians are called to do what St. Paul said, to make up what is lacking in the suffering of Jesus. And how do we do this? When we experience some evil, we should do all we can to change it. Most often, we come to the point where there's no more that we can do. That's when we're called to take up our cross. That's when we're called to accept what we can't change with trust in Jesus and unite our suffering to his cross for the love of him and to participate with him to save souls. So medieval times, people used to do things to actually hurt themselves because they understood this. Right? They would say, I'm wearing chain mail or I'm wearing goat, you know, goat, uh, you know, shirt or, or whatever. I'm eating locusts and, 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 uh, grasshopper and, and I'm going to, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to create suffering in my life. Well, we don't, you know, we don't necessarily see that now, but, but we can under, we can begin to understand what they were trying to accomplish. Yeah. Once we see the value of suffering, uh, if you could really, if we could grasp the reality of this clearly, we'd be tempted to go searching for it. Uh, I guess it's a blessing. We don't have to go searching for it. <laughs> right. Right. And I see people, you know, they'll, they'll be like, well, I'll, I don't, I don't believe anymore because I've prayed and prayed and prayed and this hasn't gone away. What if God wants you to suffer? What if he want? I mean, he could have taken away. G he, Jesus sat there at the, at the Mount of Olives, yeah, right? That's right. That's and he right. said, he said, take this away from me if it's your will. He did exactly the same thing that a lot of these patients, a lot of my patients are, are doing in there. And he said, take this away. And he, and he cried tears of blood. Well, which is, I'm really glad you brought this up, Sean, because we can feel guilty about not wanting our suffering. Maybe. We have to look to our example to Jesus. He asked the father to take it away. That's natural. That's normal. Pray to God. Ask him to take it away. Maybe he will. Pray to God to take away the suffering of your loved ones. Maybe he will. Maybe a solution will be found through your physician. Maybe a miracle will happen. But it's powerful to reflect on what you just said. God the Father did not take it away. It was the will of God the Father that the Son should suffer. And, it, and often God's will is that we suffer. Not that he sends suffering, but he allows it. Nothing is beyond the knowledge and power of God. God could change anything he wanted. But sometimes God allows suffering, and God works all things for good for those who trust him, who cooperate with him. And that's the issue. If he, if he allows it, then it's his will, then we have a choice. Will you resist or will you cooperate? If you've done everything you can to change this, then God has allowed it, then it's his will, and he's giving you an opportunity to resist or to cooperate. If we resist, it does no one any good. And it actually makes our suffering worse because there's no meaning. Or we can cooperate. And then immediately it has meaning and purpose. I'm doing the greatest good for the world. There are many saints that God allowed them to see the souls they were saving through their suffering. 
going back to that example of being able to save a child by running 26 miles. I'd run a marathon every day if I could save a kid. Some of the saints were given a real vision and knowledge of the souls that were being saved through their suffering. And that's what led them to seek out more suffering because it's a rescue mission. Yeah, you know, and I almost wonder if, if you know, people turn this around where they were like, yes, I'm suffering. And yes, um, I, I, I've, you know, I'm, I'm doing this suffering today for my family. I almost wonder whether people would come up to them and say, uh, you know, uh, today, would you offer your suffering for me? Right. If they realized that that's exactly what Christ did, Christ suffered for us and transformed the world. You are now suffering. And by offering it up for other people, you might be doing the greatest good you have ever done in your life. Yeah, and if, uh, if we could see in hindsight, once we get to heaven, if we could see in hindsight all of the people that we helped through our suffering, there's only one thing we would want to be able to go back and do more. Remember the scene from Schindler's List where at the end of the movie, he, re he realizes if I would have sold that car, if I would have sold that watch, if I would have done this or that, I could have saved more Jewish people from the concentration camp. Remember that scene? Mm -hmm. That's the way we'll be in heaven. If I would have accepted this suffering and offered it up, I could have saved so many more souls. Yeah. You know, uh, St. Ignatius talks about consolation and desolation, right? So if, if I were to create a people, if I were, if I was God and I was to create a people and I didn't want, I didn't want to force them to love me. I would create something where when they started moving towards me, I, they would feel cons they would feel better. And when they started moving away from me, they'd feel worse. Consolation, desolation, right? And I talk about this with sports teams because I'm like, listen, when you commit yourself completely to a team, even when you don't get to play, you'll get consolation. When you commit yourself completely to a job, consolation. When you commit yourself completely to a marriage, regardless of what uh, you know, you get back consolation. Do you think that the people who commit themselves to um, suffering and they say, yes, I'm suffering. There's, I've done everything I can. There's nothing I can do about it. I'm now offering this up for others. Do you think that there's a, a respite, a, a, you know, a, a place where they actually feel this consolation from what they're doing? Absolutely. And it's first and foremost because their own motives are purified to do it for the love of God, to do it for the love of God. How much do I really do purely for the love of God? Not much. I, I try to be a good Christian. There's not much that I really do purely for the love of God. I do it mostly for selfish reasons. Suffering Right, completely, completely lost in that. Right, I can't put suffering on 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 Facebook. You know, I can't put it on social media. And yet, you see all these people that are on social media, and they're putting out all these incredible things about themselves. And how happy are they? They're not. And what makes us happy? Truly, the love of God. Suffering is the greatest means to increase our love for God. Why does suffering? Why does God? allow suffering in the world because he's love and he created us to become love 
and our happiness is in proportion to our love. And at the evening of our life, we will be judged by our love. And what is the greatest tool to transform us from selfishness to love? Suffering. Yeah. So you have these people that are hurting all day, cannot get away from it can't take a break and go and you know I'm going to leave this suffering behind for a little bit I'm I'm this is all I have and everything else has been taken away from me and then and then Dr. Wheeler Mike Dr. Sh- Dr. Shirsch like you're asking me to give that one thing that I have left up for another person Yes right and when you do how could you possibly do that without love You can't do it without love. Now, let's make a distinction between the act of love and feelings. The act of love is to do what is good for another. That's different from feelings. When I am suffering, I feel rotten. And I don't want to do this. The real issue is changing our feelings. We can change our feelings by our actions, an act of the will, a choice. We can change our feelings by our choices. If I make the choice, even when I don't feel like it, to offer up my suffering for the love of God and for the salvation of others, and if I keep doing that, that act, that choice will begin to change my feelings so that I actually start to derive peace and joy in my suffering. Right. Which, you know, a lot of people, what they get is they get stress and anxiety and you take away that stress and anxiety by saying, listen, I can't, I can't do anything about it. And, and if I'm doing what Christ did, I'm actually helping those people that I love, those people that, that are, 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 you know, I'm, you know, I'm on this earth with or, or not, but yeah, that's, I think that's an incredibly powerful thing. And the, and the way that I've always understood it with, with Paul, as it says, my suffering completes the suffering of Christ. And that's, you know, I mean, when you said it, you read the direct quotation, but it, mine was always, my suffering completes the suffering of Christ, which was a really hard thing for me to understand. I remember there was a, there was a quote by uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen where he was driving by a hospital and, they, and he was reported to have said, all those people suffering and no one offering it up. Yes. What a waste. That is... That is truly the waste. It's the Archimedes, the great mathematician, said, he's got a great line. He says, give me a lever long enough and a fulcrum on which to place it, and I shall move the world. The cross is the lever to move souls. Our place to stand is Jesus. And if we will unite our suffering to his and offer it up, we can move souls. So we shouldn't waste it. We need to leverage it. We need to leverage our suffering. All those people in the hospital could change world events and save souls if they would just offer it up. It's amazing. It's truly amazing. And it is that shift from a physical to a spiritual. And you know, there's a lot of suffering the in the world. spiritual affects the physical. Yeah, but that's just it. It's, it's, a, it's, I mean, it's the mind shift from somebody where they say, okay, God, you're calling me to be more spiritual because I've tried everything. I've really worked to get this better. And obviously, I'm being called 
I'm being called to a more spiritual life. And then finding value in that is the point of this, of this whole talk. I mean, that's the point of this entire thing. So, uh, what I hope is, is that, well, first of all, uh, so Mike does a, um, a podcast and you can talk about that. It's, it's, um, I think it, I think it, your podcast changes the world. Um, it's changed mine. Um, I, I really enjoy the reflections every day. So, uh, talk about, um, talk about yourself and, and, and what you guys do. Well, very simply with the podcast, we wanted a, a simple way for people to learn the teachings of Jesus and meditate upon them. So what we do is every day we create about a 20-minute podcast that has five short teachings from Jesus that are applied to life. And then we give a space of time to think about or reflect on those teachings while we pray three prayers from Scripture. The Our Father, the Hail Mary, and the Glory Be in the form of a chant. And the purpose of a chant is that our mind wanders. If you, give, if you tell people meditate for five minutes, their mind will wander. Well, what the ancient Christian tradition has learned is that if we have a simple chant, it keeps our mind focused on the thing we want to meditate upon. So to say the Our Father, ten Hail Marys, and a Glory Be to the Trinity, keeps it gives us a span of time, a space of time, to think about the teaching of Jesus so that it sinks in and can transform our mind. So we do this five times. Uh, it's... Like I said, it's 20 minutes. It gives people a way to learn and to meditate. And it's uh, it's sent out by uh, this, this podcast. So if anyone's interested, they can find it in two ways. At dailyrosary.net or whatever your preferred platform is for a podcast, just put in daily rosary meditations, daily rosary meditations. So Catholics have the habit of praying the rosary. The rosary is just simply a meditation on the word of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I love it. I will tell you it's less than 20 minutes because I put it at time and a half. <laughs> <laughs> My wife would like to put me at time and a half. So just... <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean, it's 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 fabulous. I mean, it's it's really good. And I think you guys have, I mean... You guys have a lot of listeners around the world. I know you've been traveling different places in the United States and 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 eventually around the world when the COVID when the COVID yeah, is all yeah, yeah, 24 different countries right now. Yeah, and it's and it's amazing how many people you guys you guys uh you know talk to and 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 I really feel like you know people are people are searching for this spiritual. You know the 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 physical has not, I mean we are as rich in the United States as we've ever been. Our, our physical needs are met like never before, and there's more anger and there's more anxiety than there has ever been. And it's, and it's kind of one of those deals where um, it's a broken cup. The, the physical world is a broken cup. We are here to toil, right? It's broken. There's only one cup that you can fill that will give you joy. And, and the more we turn to that side and start to try to fill that, the, I think the more joy people will get. Absolutely. And we have anxiety about things that we can't control. Our suffering, we can't control. Our pain, we can't control, maybe. We can't solve it, let's say. 
But there are many things that we did not choose, we do not like, we cannot change, we cannot understand. What are we going to do with those things? There is something that we can do. We can offer it up. And Jesus can take it and use it to increase our love, which results in peace. And he can use it to help save souls. Very good. Very good. So um, I will put your stuff in the uh, show notes, right? And I, and I hope that I can put some of the, um, the scripture, you know, that we discussed in there. Uh, and then we'll put that in the show notes. It usually comes out on Tuesdays. It, it may take a, an extra day or two, but um, we're going to try to gather up everything for that and put it in the show notes. And this has been great. And, and I hope that this, I, I really hope that this transforms even one person's life because there's, there's some, there's some real deep, uh, generational millennial value in what we've just discussed. So thank you very much, Mike. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We greatly appreciate your download and taking the time to listen. Please go to whatever source you normally get your podcast from and subscribe. Also, visit bodyguitar.com for show notes and to learn about our clinic. Living longer is not near as important as living better. These episodes are meant to advance the goal of living better. One of the best and hardest ways to achieve this goal is to pray for your enemies and forgive those that hurt you. Life is about relationships. Build them. Until next time, body guitar practitioners, performers, and tuners, get your body in tune. This is Dr. Sean Wheeler on Spine and Body Podcast, and I will see you on the next episode. This podcast is for general information purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare studies, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to the podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their health providers for any such condition.